We've all seen people standing at rail stations, either alone or in small groups, watching the trains coming and going. They're often referred to as train spotters, but although we'll hear from a train spotter in due course, spotting is just one aspect of a larger group of hobbies collectively known as rail enthusiasm. To find out more about this diverse hobby, I spoke with a locomotive enthusiast, a train spotter, and a rail modeler. Rick Goodall is a locomotive enthusiast based in New England in the northeast of the United States. I spoke with Rick and he began by telling me about his earliest memories of rail. My earliest memories of being a rail fan go back as far as age five, 1970. And I, I'm sure I was probably interested before then, but I don't have any memory that I can touch upon beyond that. My father lived within a stone's throw of the main line for the Santa Fe Railroad in Orange County, California, where I grew up. And uh, when I would come to visit him on uh, the weekends, uh, we could clearly hear the trains as they passed by. It was a high volume of trains, probably 20 or 30 trains a day. And we were near a street crossing, so they would blow the horn. And I would tingle all over and he would entertain me running down the uh, hallway of the apartment building to the open balcony out back where I could see them from up above. We would do this religiously. Can you give me a sense of the feelings and thoughts that in that five-year-old that were conjured up by the trains? As a young child, I remember thinking about trains every waking moment, the way children fixate on any sort of thing, trucks or firemen or airplanes or what have you. Trains were my fixation. And of course, my father entertained that as best he could. It was a bond that we had. We didn't really have a lot of time together when I was that age. And so anything to make me uh, thrilled and happy was, he was happy to oblige. I remember the sound of the whistle in the night would uh, make my heart race. I remember feeling the, the building, the floor in the apartment would actually begin to vibrate when the, the trains would come. These were, these were big trains. They were sometimes five, six, seven, eight or more locomotives. And like I said, we, we, you would literally st throw a stone and bounce it off of a train. We were that close. So I remember running out onto the balcony and feeling as though I was close enough to touch them. The, the rumble of the ground when they came by, the, the, the voice of the horn, the musical quality of the horn, it, it just it's over, was overwhelming. It was all of my senses, and it, it formed some sort of pathway in my developing mind that was permanent. Can you tell me then about becoming a little bit older and beginning to develop your hobby and your interest? When I was nine, my father surprised me for Christmas with a model railroad that he had built in his workshop. I cherished it well into my early teens. I thought that I was going to be a model railroader of some, f some fame until I realized the amount of space and finance that it takes to really do it. <laughs> it was much less expensive to go and just observe the real trains that we had in our area. 
So we've heard a rail enthusiast talking about how he got into rail in much the same way as other young girls and boys might get into dancing, cartoons or sports. Before we hear more, it's worth listening to Rick listing some of the various aspects of rail enthusiasm, not least to confirm that it's not just about train spotting. You know, it's uh, rail enthusiasm in my experience, and the people that I've met and spoken to are as diverse as sexual fetishes. Freight, passengers, locomotives, cabooses, uh, freight cars, passenger stations, railroad collectibles, signs, keys, lanterns, any type of uh, antique, insignia, patches, existing and historical, China from different passenger services. People collect railroad photography. Uh, there is a, a subset of that that um, absolutely thrive on the older uh, 35 miller, mil, uh, excuse me, 35 millimeter slides, uh, and they go absolutely nuts for it. Others uh, collect railroad videos. Others collect railroad books, uh, both fiction and nonfiction. There are those that are into train spotting. Uh, I know lots of people that carry the radio scanner in hand, and they go out specifically to listen to the radio traffic and try to intercept various trains so that they can get a photograph or kind of like they're catching fish. People that collect spikes, people that do nothing but ride tourist railroads. There's no end to it. Rick then provided me with an example of how those diverse interests come together at the same place and at the same time. There's a video on my Facebook page of a BNSF oil train coming through town just a mile or so down from my house. There were a lot of people gathered for that. When I made it to that railroad crossing, there were people parked up and down the road and there were cameras everywhere. Everybody was quiet. We were all there for the same reason. In that moment, after the train passed, there was a brief period where everyone gathered to share their excitement and talk about what we had seen, what we felt it represented, because that's a very unique sight. To see those locomotives in Maine is very unique. But as we began talking with each other, we realized that everybody there had a different passion. Like I talked about, there were people who just loved the BNSF. There were people who just loved seeing all those brand new oil cars. There were people that loved railroading for different reasons. But in that moment, we were all there for the same reason, to see that train. And it wasn't that we all became unique again until after it had passed. Having established that rail enthusiasm is a very diverse hobby, we can now turn to train spotting, something that people can be a little bit scornful of, usually without knowing anything about it. I spoke with Barry Jones, who's not just a train spotter, but who produces books for other spotters to use, whether they're spotting trains, planes, canal barges, or even mail vans. Barry runs ST Publications, which he publicises on his business card as Spotting Books Made by Spotters. I started by asking him whether his customers objected to the terms spotter and spotting. No, everybody thinks, everybody all think it's a fantastic term to use that I am a spotter as well as they are. And uh, because I do sort of collect, uh, I should have said spot, basically anything that there is to spot, then uh, anybody who phones up to order books or asking questions about the books that I do, I can have a basically full knowledgeable conversation with them on whatever subject they, they uh, sort of collect. And what subjects do people contact you about? Uh, well, like I said, I've just done canal barges for the first time. That's never been done before. 
uh, Royal Mail vehicles I've just done, and I'm looking at doing fire engines, uh, and then all the usual subjects of uh, buses, railways, and foreign railways. I've just done uh, American railway, railroad books. People contact me to actually have their own books made for them. People can have their own photographs put on front of the books, uh, which a lot of them do with the favourite locomotives or the favourite subject, or some have even had the wives put on the front. Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, yeah, a lot of uh, had the children put, you know, they have photographs of the children in front of a train and and they would want that photograph on the front of their books. So. But I do make books to order people, sort of, uh, can I explain it? If, if you looked at, sort of, in Europe, a lot of people just go around and collect the locomotives in Europe. They won't collect the units or the coaching stock and things like that. So I would make books if they said, oh, I only go to France, Austria, Switzerland and Germany. Them's the only countries I visit. Then I could put a book together for them, just with them four countries' locomotives in. And can you tell me a little bit about the books you produce? So I make the books exactly how I would like them. For spotting, i.e. books that can fall back on themselves so they'd be spiral-bound, so it's easier to actually underline numbers. Or Each spotter has their own way of, of sort of logging what they've seen, uh, what they need to see. And most people would underline the numbers with a ruler or whatever what they've seen. So actually, I make the books exactly how I would like them on the right kind of thickness of paper, so a fine line of pen wouldn't show through on the other side of the paper. Just general bits like that. The book, the books are made how I would want a spotting book to be made. How did you get into producing the books? Did you spot a gap in the market? I'd always bought similar books off uh, a company called HB Publications. And uh, the fellow who run HP Publications, I became friends with. We started going into Europe, spotting around Germany, France, Austria, etc. And uh, he retired basically and said he was giving up the business. Uh, I'm at home as a foster carer. We're both foster carers, me and the wife. And as we're getting older, we're not going to be chasing kids around as we get sort of older and older. Like. So it was an opportunity to not to be missed, really. He'd, he'd started the business off, I've expanded it by going into shipping and things like that. There's always been sort of ships, for example, there's always been ship spotters out there, but there's never been the books listing all the ships out there. But the information's there on the internet, it's, it's all there to be gathered from various sources. As long as you get permission of the sources that you're taking it from, then, 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 uh, then it's fine. You're talking about barge, bus, ship and lorry spotting, what is it that people enjoy about the hobby and why do they get into it? I think most of it all started from the railways. Going back a long, long time ago, the railway spotting within in Britain was a, a fantastic hobby, not copied anywhere else in Europe. They don't Even now, there isn't the same sort of coverage for spotters in, in any other country other than Britain. But as the railways have declined in Britain, uh, spotting, basically, actually, the, the, the hobby of spotting itself is sort of I think it's with the internet as well. It's grown and grown, and and the because the information is out there now of lists of buses, of lists of of various other forms of transport. It's hard to explain. Isn't it? Spotting for me, if I if you can get a list of I've used the Royal Mail vans that I've just done, and they they are taking off. Nobody's ever done books on Royal Mail before. They're in every single town and village in Britain, all the way up to the Orkney Islands, down to the Isles of Siskiyou. Basically everywhere. 
Uh, there's 38,979 of them in my boot list. It's registration number, it's serial number, what type of van it is, and where it's based. And so spotters can see MLS straight away on a, on a boot where everyone is and where everyone is based. So it, it then becomes a game to see them all, to get them all. And the bigger the game, the harder it is. Plane spotting has more and more taken off over the last 15 to 20 years. And that basically is an impossible job because you've the whole world to go at. Trying to see every plane in the whole world is basically impossibility. But there's so many new ones coming out all the time. So I think the harder, the harder the game is, the more people are interested in it, are fascinated by it, should I say. My own fascination at the moment is the newest one, which is the Royal Mail Vans, because I look at them and I think, oh, there's so Every little village in the middle of nowhere has got these little vans knocking around, and, and I've got a list of where they all are, and I've just got to tick them off as I drive around the country trying to see them all. <laughs> it is just a big game. It's... You, if you go back to railways and you look at the uh, the main class of locomotive in Britain now is a class 66, and there's 250 of them, and they can be anywhere at any time between Inverness and Penzance. But you go to Inverness, and the one you need's at Penzance. If you got Penzance, the one you need could be in Inverness. It's it's just a game. But you've got the internet now to help along. You can see where it was last reported. You can find out what workings things are on. So you, you do get that guy and you think, well, he's been working around Birmingham. I'll head to Birmingham this weekend and see if I can see from there. So it's, uh, spotting isn't as it used to be where people stood on the end of the platform with a pen and paper and it's very rarely you get that nowadays. It's, it's more now the sort of chasing certain ones that you still haven't seen around the country. So spotting seems like a, a game or a, a puzzle where you fit the pieces together, but it's a very big puzzle that's difficult to complete. And even if you do, there are always going to be other sets or groups of things to spot or collect. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I would imagine it's the same as any hobby. It's the getting out. It's the getting out in some uh, evenings now, because, because I collect so many different things. At the evening when the kids have gone to bed at nine o'clock and my wife's watching us all, so I just get myself a pint cup of tea and I have a nice hour or two relaxing, underlining and marking in and checking through what I've seen in the last couple of days. And and that's my form of relaxation and all the other spotters I talk to tend to do the same thing. It's their form of relaxation. They can get out in a boat, they can get a, a cheap train ticket here and there, they can have a ride to any town. They can see things that they haven't seen before, mark them all down, come home and relax and just check through the boots what they've seen and what they've not seen. It's harmless, it keeps people off the streets and it's a, it's a fantastic hobby really when, when you think of all other hobbies. Uh, it's just created itself a bad name over the years. But to what extent has it created a bad name for itself and to what extent has it simply been given a bad name by other people? Exactly. It's been given a bad name by other people. I don't think it's ever got anybody into any trouble. I never got into any trouble when I was a lad. And I was out and riding round on trains at 12 and 13 year old going out spotting with my gang of friends. And uh, I mean, I'm nearly 50 now. And uh, it never brought me any harm. It never It got me off the streets and kept me out of trouble. And, you know, a lot of my other friends was getting into all different things they shouldn't have been getting into. But... It never did me any harm doing my hobby. 
it's it's like now every weekend I've got myself an old camper van and I'm oh, we're off and away every weekend. I take my son with me and a couple of friends and away we go. We're up in Scotland. We're down in down southwest. We're I'm in Germany twice, two two or three times a year. I'm, we get around everywhere. I was going to ask you what you do when you've spotted, for instance, all the trains in one class, but I realise that you never really reach the end, do you? Because there's always another group of things to, to spot or to go after. There's always something else to go for, yeah. And I've had quite a few phone calls where people's only collected trains, but then they've, like, they've rung me up and said, ah, oh, I can't believe somebody's finally doing a book listing all the canal barges in Britain. I used, I've collected them for years and wrote all the names down and everything, but... Nobody's ever done a book. Basically, there's 34,000 barges, and all my book does, it lists its registration number and lists its name. And, as is the case with many other activities, it seems that spotting has its own emerging markets. Barry Jones again. I've received a file about three months ago from a fellow. He works for Festiniog Railways, and he travels or he runs all the tours to the obscure countries of, uh, of, of the world, basically. And he sent me his file for Indian Railways. And uh, nobody's obviously ever done a book on Indian Railways before. And I've got it there on my computer. If you look on the website, you'll see a book on trolley buzzes of Eastern Europe. Now, this was a, a vicar from Ipswich that sent us a file. I mean, he's retired, so all he does is travel over Eastern Europe finding the old trolley buzzes. You know what a trolley buzz is with the old... It's basically a buzz that looks like a tram and all the very obscure Russian villages and towns have these uh, trolley buzzes in them. So he sent me a list of basically every one of them, and every town that's got them in. And that's why I made a book out of that, and I've sold quite a few of them as well. And it's not just spotters who spend money on their hobby. Railway modelling is a hobby on which enthusiasts are prepared to spend time and money. Colin Ray runs a business called R3 Sprays, which specialises in painting, spraying and numbering model trains and railways. R3 Sprays came about when I was looking for a particular livery or a design, if you like, on a train that, that wasn't available from the main manufacturers like Sabachman or Hornby. There was no sort of sign as to whether it was ever going to be released or not, and I thought, well, I could maybe try and inquire to see if I could get some excess models that we had resprayed into a current livery. And I sent away for a few quotes, and I got them back, and being a typical Scot, an ear fell off my seat. One of my friends, it was him that said to me, why don't you do it yourself? And I said, well, I don't think I'd ever have the skill to do it. And before you know it, I'm sort of doing however many locals a week now. It just grew and grew um, from there, basically. When you're doing your own modelling, where do, where do your ideas come from and what is it that you're trying to achieve with the, with the model? A lot of our ideas come from whatever's new, because obviously anything that is coming out the paint shed on Monday morning, for example, the likes of the main manufacturers will not have that painted or ready to sell at that point because it's too quick. So... There's always a bit of a kick, I think, in being able to see the unveiling of a new livery and to look at it, try and interpret it and work out how you're going to apply it to a model. And so then, at risk of asking a slightly obvious question, what are your own particular areas of rail enthusiasm that you're into? I would say I'm, I'm more interested in the modelling side and it's anything that's modern and current is, is something that I'm quite interested in. And how important is the accuracy of your models to the real-life rail that they're based upon? It always depends on the person. Uh, You have some people in the hobby that we would call rivet counters. So they'll actually look at a local or listen to a sound 
and they're looking for it to be 100% accurate. Now, to me, that takes a bit of the fun out of it. Can you describe your kind of dream model if, if money was no object and time were no object? Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> there was a few years ago, I was, <laughs> you can call me daft, but I was considering buying a real, a real-life locomotive, a Class 37. I mean, it, it, it's quite possible to buy locomotives. You need somewhere to store it or to keep it, and then you need somewhere to run it. Rail enthusiasm in general, it seems a very social hobby. Does it give you a good social life as well? I'm certainly hardly in the house. <laughs> if you take the model railway club, a big part of that is, is actually just to do with, with people meeting up. There is a definite social aspect to model railway clubs. So it's fair to say that the stereotype of the introverted person standing on a rail platform jotting down train numbers isn't representative of rail enthusiasts. There's a definite misconception there, I think, that they're just there jotting down numbers. <laughs> if it was just jotting down numbers, I, I don't think there'd be as many people out and about doing it. Given their interest in trains, it seems reasonable to presume that rail enthusiasts would want to work in the rail industry. Rick Goodall. And then I moved to... Flagstaff, Arizona. And it was at that time that I actually got an opportunity to work in the railroad business, which was a horrible nightmare, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I got in 2000, I got a job. Uh, I was living in Flagstaff, Arizona, and I got a job with a local company called Alex's Transportation. And the basic principle of the company is uh, they they provide a crew shuttle service that they contract out to the railroads, and I'm sure they must do something similar in the UK, but which is basically a glorified taxi service just for railroad people. Basically, I was responsible for 11 terminals spanning Needles, California, Winslow, Arizona, El Paso, Texas, Las Cruces, New Mexico. I mean, on and on. Berlin, New Mexico, Clovis, New Mexico. It went on and on. And it was at that point that I began to travel quite a bit from terminal to terminal, responsible for hiring, for firing, for maintenance issues, for training. And I would basically run a circuit from terminal to terminal to go meet my managers at, at each of these locations. Um, and I was spending two to three weeks on the road and then spending usually three to four days at home before going, before going back out. I, it was an interesting experience to be on railroad property inside of no trespassing signs. It was an interesting opportunity to see the inner workings of the railroad. It was an interesting opportunity to see the railroad from places that were normally not accessible to the general public, out both out in the field and in the train yards. It was a horrible experience to deal with the railroad employees. <laughs> as they had absolutely no respect for our drivers or our service or any service like it for that matter. We're talking about highly paid people with great responsibility uh, who can sometimes become impressed with themselves, I would say, and, and, and can become difficult to please. My own staff, of course, were UTU or Union of Transportation Workers. And it's an awkward position to be in to manage a staff of workers that are union controlled and you are a corporate employee. Um, and then, of course, being uh, a fairly young man, married with a family and gone for such long periods, although it had its high points, it became apparent inside of about two years that I needed to quit if I was going to continue to like trains. <laughs> As with most other hobbies, 
software advances and social media have enhanced rail enthusiasm. Barry Jones told me about the effect that communications technology and social media have had on spotting. I would say it's improved. Just for example, three of the other hobbies, that the other things that I collect are Eddie Stobbard lorries, uh, aeroplanes and chips. And just on the iPhone alone that I have, there's apps to tell you where they are. So I, I for example, aeroplanes. Now I have an app on my phone. There's a plane flying over me at 30,000 feet. And I just put it on and it tells me what it is, where it's going, what its registration is. Same with Eddie Stobbard lorries. I can be driving down the motorway and there's a lorry going in the opposite direction. Put the app on my phone, it tells me what it is, where it's from, what its registration is, what its name is. And same with ships. I can just be sat at Blackpool Seafront with my fish and chips and there's a ship going past. And you just stick your iPhone on and it tells you what it is. But it's definitely improved it. I mean, we regularly go across the McCamp Atlantic Fleet Ops and we just sit on the seafront there. you got every ship going in and out of Hull in Immingham and... Uh, Google and Scunthorpe, they all go past the Dover and places like that. You can sit there all day and there's loads of ships going past and you can just get them all off your phone. No, it's, it's easy. Rick Goodall again. Well, I ran a website for several years. I went through a period where I was doing railroad simulation on the computer, running a program called Trains by a company called Aurin out of Australia. Um, they no longer own the rights to the software. Somebody else does. Uh, but it was a railroad simulator that run run on PC, and and I went so far as to purchase a a desktop controller that mimicked the controls of a real locomotive with a throttle and a brake lever, and I became heavily involved with that, and I would run my trains over realistic lengths of rail, realist just as realistically as possible. And that was fascinating for me for several years. Um, and I ran a, a, a fan website and became involved in the the software's forums and quickly discovered that uh, forums are a horrible place. If <laughs> any time you become involved in a fan-based software community, you can quickly lose passion for it because it, it becomes political. The more people that you meet and become friends with, the more politi- quickly it becomes political. So I, I kind of dumped. I did meet some wonderful people at that, though. Met some great people overseas, uh, some, most some of which I keep in contact contact with still. But when I when I, when I turned over that operation to one of my friends and left the railroad simulation world, I kind of I kind of yearned for something online. There was no really no place for me to share my discoveries and my experiences or meet people like yourself. Uh, so that was the uh, that was the idea for the Facebook page, New England Rail Fan. I often say, if it were not for Facebook, there would be no no record, no diary of me. I've never been one to put pen to paper, and I've never been one to keep memoirs. Uh, but with the advent of Facebook, I've been able, I found, to keep a record of myself that I hope one day my children or others in my family that I don't keep contact with can access and learn something about me, especially, oh, God forbid one day I get dementia and I don't remember any of this stuff. Uh, And then it quickly became apparent to me that that's what I should do with my railroad adventures as well. The idea behind my Facebook page and my Twitter account, they're just basically the uh, the sum of my random wanderings. But I, th- I think they're they're very good. You obviously have been looking looking through them, and especially on the Facebook page, I, 
it seems to me that it's, it's it offers a, a less political way uh, of interacting with people and sh- just sharing the the pure enthusiasm is that is that a fair comment i would say that's very fair my my social networking railroad enthusiasm activities have no point there there really is no point to any of it i i'm i'm not trying to accomplish anything I'm not trying to make any kind of a statement i like taking pictures of what i find and what i discover I like occasionally sharing that thought, that I random thought that I have, hearing that whistle on the night and, and sharing, oh my gosh, I, I, I heard a whistle out my back window. I haven't, I haven't seen a train in a week or so, you know, but I've heard a whistle or whatever. It's all very random and, and all very unmotivated. If I see something or if I get wind of something unusual, I will stop and make the effort to get a photograph. You know, I will take that moment and try to go a little bit closer and not get yelled at. But for the most part, it's all it's all random. Within the UK, I'd say there's been quite a condescending attitude towards rail enthusiasts for the last 25 or 30 years. And they're generally all grouped as train spotters. What is the attitude towards rail enthusiasm and rail enthusiasts in the US? In general, I think the public is indifferent. I think that I think that Americans feel everyone has something that they enjoy, something that they're passionate about. It may be an activity, it may be something like a train or a boat or an airplane, but everybody has something that they're passionate about. I think generally people feel well they may not understand somebody's passion as long as they're not hurting anybody or getting in the way, let them do it. Having said that, If you happen to be passionate about something that is not necessarily common or widespread, you can quickly become point of suspicion. Wandering around a train yard with a camera or standing at a railroad crossing, people wonder, why? What are you doing? Do they ever ask you? Do they ever take the time to find out or is it easier for them just to be suspicious? You know, it's it's different in different parts of the country. In New England, people tend to mind their own business unless they're really truly suspicious, and then they'll just call law enforcement. Uh, they would rather do that anonymously. In other parts of the country, you yeah, people will approach you. You have uh, you have uh, uh, the hero complex. And which parts of the country might that happen? And I think the larger population centers tend to be more uh, confrontational. In the rural areas, people tend to. Uh, People tend to be uh, anonymous, uh, but you can see when somebody drives by a little slower than the rest of traffic, and they they're they're, they're giving you that look over the top of the glasses. You you know it's probably not going to be long before the sheriff comes. And what do people who work in the actual rail industry think of enthusiasts? Uh, if you're asking a railroad employee, they're generally looked down upon. Uh, railroad employees are generally bothered by railroad enthusiasts. They refer to us, they call us foamers because they say that we foam at the mouth when we see trains. And is, is, that, a, is that considered a derogatory term within rail enthusiasts? It can be. If you're the new guy that the seasoned enthusiasts perceive as being unprofessional, then they will also refer to you as a foamer. And they might suggest to you, you know, hey, if you want to be uh, successful at this, you need to be a little bit less of a foamer. Don't show so much excitement. So having heard from a locomotive enthusiast, a train spotter, and a rail modeler, it's clear that there's a lot more to rail enthusiasm than just train spotting, and that it's an international hobby carried on by a diverse group of people. And it's probably also fair to say that although they're aware some people might poke fun at their hobby, 
they simply don't care because they're doing something that they enjoy so hats off to them.